Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey friends, welcome to another edition of the Tennis and Vigils podcast. This is your host, Pancho Romani, and joining me today, we have a special guest. He's making his debut on the Tennis and Vigils podcast. You know him on Twitter as Mario Bucardi. Uh, he's an upcoming Italian journalist. He writes for two publications called Sports Face and another one, which I don't really know how to pronounce, but he'll do it for me. Um, and he's a great follow on Twitter and very much in the tennis community and a member of Talking Tennis as well. So, hey, Mario, good to have you here making your debut on this podcast. Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, I, I'm i grateful to be here because I, I really like to to talk tennis. And yeah, also, I, I've i known Vansh from, from quite a lot uh, on, on Twitter, and it's always been uh, very nice to, to be in contact with him. And so I'm really happy to be to be here. Yeah. Great. Yeah, we're excited to have you as well. And uh, obviously, since you followed Madrid very closely, we can start with the WTA first. Um, yeah, we saw another final between Iva Sviantec and Irina Sabalenka. Um, Sviantec obviously coming into this tournament, uh, having won Stuttgart and having played the world number one and number two, just met in Stuttgart uh, before this. And it's becoming a pretty exciting rivalry now on the WTA. And this time, um, it seemed like Sabalenka really flip the switch, obviously conditions that certainly favor her with the high altitude and uh, having won Madrid before in 2021 and just how how much of an improved player she's been in the last five or six months, uh, right from the offseason fixing her serve to especially just being the best player in 2023 and uh, having beaten Iga twice as well. And uh, But this was a really competitive and very, very fun match to watch, uh, very absorbing and both players played extremely high quality tennis and it was uh, it certainly makes the rivalry going forward pretty exciting. How did you kind of see the final unfold? Yeah, it's it's really been an, an exciting final because of the players involved and because of the quality and also because it's really been a very tense match uh, with all these uh, changes in the score and uh, some games for 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 Sviontek and then uh, a big moment for Savalenka and then the quality went higher and higher also in the deciding set and also we we had a pretty dramatic last game um, it's really been an amazing final um, oh, but also I have to say that it's been an amazing WTA season so far because we are really watching a lot of great matches great finals and um the top players are really uh, really giving it a lot uh, so far this year uh, but uh, credit to Sabalenka because um i think that um she she has demonstrated in all this season that she, uh, she she has made a lot of improvements and yeah we we have talked a lot about her mental improvements but i i also i'm also watching a lot of um improvements from the uh, athletical point of view uh, she's really ready uh, uh, to run and to stay with the, uh, with her feet really on the ground to to hit really well the ball and even when she she is forced to 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 be in a defensive um, position, she is really really clear and precise in her hitting. 
Uh, but of course, also the way she uh, she's able to to stay in the match against this Sviantek, um which wasn't the case last year because she uh, they met uh, I think twice also during the the last year's clay season, and uh, I know that probably Sviantek was even at a higher level probably that this year, but. Uh, I mean, it's not that easy uh, to to be there and to compete against a player which um, has dominated the game in in the last year. And uh, she <laughs> she's a really strong player, and uh, Sabalenka uh, did really really good effort to to stay there in the match and to um, also use the conditions. Um, creating herself um, an edge in in this match, and um, I mean it's a very deserved uh, final, which um, which probably means that Sabalenka uh, at at some point this year and soon probably she's going to to finally reach this this number one spot because giving how much Jontek has to defend and the fact that Sabalenka uh, has a lot to gain even in in Paris but also I'm thinking about Wimbledon um last year there were no points at stake so every player can can earn a lot a lot of points um she has uh, in the race also she's in a very good position because she has uh, over 1500 points on on the second player which is Rybakina uh, so yeah uh, i mean i'm i'm really happy to see to see Sabalenka um really really playing at a good level and um after last year you probably kind of could have had some doubts uh, about her process but uh, yeah it was it was a moment and this year she's really she's really rocking it and uh, yeah i think it's not now difficult to predict that uh I don't know for for how much, but uh, at least statistically, I think that she's going to be for sure number one also at some point in in this season. Yeah, I think that's a fair. I think that's actually a pretty fair assumption given how far ahead she is right now in the in the points. And even if Iga does win Rome and Roland Garros, there's plenty of points for Sabalenka to gain in the second half of the season, uh, as well as. Yeah, doing well at Roland Garros herself, uh, which is going to be interesting to watch because you would certainly think in non-altitude, sea level, slow clay court conditions, um, Chuantec would certainly probably have the have the upper hand. But this definitely makes it very interesting given the matchup and uh, given what we what we saw yesterday was a fun match to watch. Also, because they kept winning games, sort of three, three, three games at a time, and that was really cool to see, like from three, three in the first set, six, three, or three, 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 you know, three, six, and then it was it was kind of back and forth all the way through, and you really didn't know who was gonna come out on top, but it really just stood out. Um, just the belief that Sabalenka had the last game of the match entirely reminded me of the Australian Open final against Rubakina, where she got it done with her fourth championship point. It's the same situation here when. You know, she really could have potentially felt the pressure a little bit. Maybe you could have seen it sort of revert back to the mean, but Sabalink was just different this year. She has a lot more margin. Her forehand to me is looking devastating in the corners as well as when she has a ball in the middle of the court. And um, she was really able to rush Fiontek at times. And Fiontek did a good job herself problem solving and coming out of a tough situation. She could have lost the match in the second set as well. And she just hung in there and I thought it was a very, very little actually separating both both of those players at the at the end, and maybe Sabalenka just with the extra pop on her serve and just uh, getting being able to just utilize the conditions a little bit more in her her favor certainly made the difference. But for Shuantek, it's positive that uh, she was so close to winning Madrid, and she's won Rome twice and Madrid, uh, Roland Garros twice, and it will be interesting to see because the pressure is certainly on, but uh, uh, she, she's in a she's in a Good position compared to where she was at before the clay court season. No, yeah, of course. Even because we we have to think that 
she began the clay season also with some some kind of doubt because of her yeah. of her injury uh, which made she uh, skip the the Miami event um and so i think that she she proved that she she is of course okay and she she won the tournament in stuttgart um defending the title um and then she uh, she went to the final in madrid that we can also we can also read this as a, as a step forward because she was she was never uh, there uh, in her career in that event uh, so uh, yeah i think that we can take some positives of course of um uh, from these two to first clay clay court events and and now of course we we are approaching two events that Jontek really likes because she won the last two uh, in the last two years in Rome she won uh, the Roland Garros twice also and uh, no doubt that she's going to be to be the favorite in in those events and Mm, of course, I think that Sabalenka is a very uh, all-around player because of of the kind of tennis she plays. Because when you have that um, that power, and you also like she's this year, she um, she's uh, super okay physically also. Uh, so I think that she can really play well in any kind of court. Uh, but uh, I think that Svantec can can take the positives, even because in at the beginning of the year uh, we saw her uh, struggling in some kind of matches and sometimes losing them uh, against these top players, not really fighting. Um, while uh, and this wasn't the case yesterday, because uh, she really stayed there till the end. Uh, forcing a very close third set, but also in the last game she had her chances um, to we uh, Sabalenka got involved in a very very long service game. Um, she she really yeah she probably made some um, some little mistakes in some point in at the third set in the last part, but overall I think that. Um, yeah, I'm not really worried about the fact that she lost uh, a final in three sets against Sabalenka, which is playing some unbelievable tennis this year. So, um, yeah, of course, we are expecting uh, uh, a lot <laughs> from from Iga because of the last season she had and also because of the clay court, uh, which saw her dominating since the very young age. Uh, but I think that um, we can we can consider, of course, a good a good tournament for her and a good first three weeks of the clay season. And now, of course, I'm looking forward to to watch what she she's going to to do in Rome because uh, she's the two time defending champion, and uh, I'm sure she she would love to win the third year in a row and. Uh, She's going to be to be the favorite, number one favorite, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of the women's tournament as a whole, obviously you mentioned quite a bit about Triantec and Sabalenka. Um, what were some of the other stories that really captivated your attention? Obviously, in the two-week Masters event, we have to look more for the first week, where um, what stood out to me is obviously Erika Andreva, such a great talent, and just 16 years of Age turned 16 in the tournament itself, had those fantastic wins over Lila Fernandez and then Beatrice and Maya. And then, um, yeah, like then one more win, right? Where is it escaping? Yeah, it was. Right now? Um, I'm checking. Yeah, it was It was someone pretty. Lynette. Lynette, Lynette, yes. Australian Open semifinals. That's right, yeah. Uh, some of these matches were way too early for my time zone, so I wasn't able to catch, catch the Lynette one, but I didn't see a lot of the Fernandez and some of the Beatrice on mine, and I was pretty impressed by her. Um, by how solid her game is, pretty pretty solid overall for 16. Uh, like, I was pretty impressed with her backhand. Her forehand is pretty loopy, and it's a good clay court forehand, I think, and she seems to have um, some good qualities and uh, believes in herself and you know, she was a quite fun inter- interview to listen to afterwards as well 
so some core personality and uh, pretty crazy. She was in the junior Australian Open final this year. And uh, since then, she went on this insane winning streak at the W60 level and then winning those two ITFs and then carrying that form here. And then actually for Sabalenka for a good half a set. And then, uh, so I think uh, we'll be seeing a lot more of her in the future, but this adds to the depth with uh, the depth of young female players under the age of 21. Yeah, no, of course, he's, he, it's been a very nice story. Um, yeah, I, I knew her name. Um, so when I, when I saw her in the draw, I was, uh, I was like interested in watching how she, she would have performed. And she, she hasn't disappointed at all. And of course, I, I, I knew her name and I, I knew she was uh, a really, a really, really good young player. But, uh, yeah, me too. I, I, I wasn't expecting already so good. Um, it's, it's really been, been fun to watch her matches. Um, also because she has this, um, yeah, this kind of tennis that it's also, um, funny to watch because there's a lot of mix. Um, he, he has, uh, she has the, um, the power weapons, but she also has, um, a lot of variety. Um, and yeah, it's, um, it's been really, really funny to watch her against this very, very good player because yeah, beating back to back to back in straight sets, uh, Fernandez, Sadat, Maya, Linette, it's, it's really not for everyone. Um, and especially at, at this such young age. And, um, yeah, of course, playing, uh, with, with no pressure can help you. But I mean, she, you are facing players which are, uh, I, I would say established. Yeah. Let's say top players and uh performing in this way it's really it's really not for everyone and um uh, yeah i'm i'm looking forward to to see if some other event uh, can give her some wild card here and there uh, because we know she uh, she had the wild card also because of the dmg sponsorship uh, uh, of the event but who knows given uh, how well uh, she uh, she used this op- this opportunity uh, probably she can uh, can have some some invitation here and there in in the season and make some experience which can can make the difference at this level because uh, having such experiences at at young age can can really help you when you when you get to 18 or 19 and you start to be ready uh, to compete weekly in on the main tour and having already played some some kind of matches we know that can really help you and that's also why of course we we have some um, some players i don't want to say that they had it uh, easier because then you have to to use the opportunity but uh, of course having had these uh, experiences uh, help you to uh, to to understand how you have to to behave in in these events and also she's also really been funny in the interviews also when she was talking about Andy Murray um he's just a beautiful uh, person or something like that yeah yeah that's right and it, 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 yeah it's it's not easy at 16 to go there um and to talk in in this way uh, with uh, on on TV in a, in a big interview because all, all the big players go there to talk about their matches and uh, so I saw her also psychologically quite ready uh, to um, to stay in in this life I mean. Uh, uh, of course, it can also be easy sometimes when you're when you're so young because you are not thinking a lot. But uh, yeah, uh, I I'm really big on hair, and um, I, I I want to see more hair soon. Yeah, she's definitely one exciting teenager to follow in the coming years. 
But uh, looking at the rest of the WTA, are there any other stories to you that really stand out in terms of, you know, you were excited or happy for some players to, to do well and go deep? Obviously, Maya Sharif was another big one. Um, getting, getting some very good players and getting to the quarterfinals. We know she's talented, of course. She won a title last year. Um, and she she beat some good players to get her likes of like Martins and Garcia, I think, was the biggest win in her run. Uh, but also yeah, and she, she wasn't crazy. so far from uh, uh, from getting the win against Sabalenka. I mean, uh, no break, she, so pretty. Yeah, yeah, it was a very early break in the second set, but still, uh, I mean, given the fact that Sabalenka then went on to, to win the world thing, uh, he, yeah, it's really been uh, very, very big also. I I knew her because she she won an event, um, the the WTA title in Parma in Italy, um, where I was where I was there almost the whole week, um, so I I really knew something about her and also I you know I I like to to watch these players representing uh, countries that. Um, not have really a tennis history um and making like the trailblazers from from their country from their part of the world it's also really nice so i it's one of the players i tend to to sympathize with because uh, also of all the background she she's taking all with her uh, playing tennis and um yeah, she she was deserving the this run somewhere because even if uh, you know n- not always at big stages, but a lot of uh, WTA uh, one twenty five and uh, some big ATF events, she's really she really did really well in this these past years. In fact, I mean her ranking is uh, stably into the top sixty seventy. And uh, yeah, so that's also been uh, a really, a really nice story. And even if I wanted to, uh, yeah, to tell you about what happened today uh, in the doubles final, that was a, a, a bit of a sad page in the event with the players not being able to to give the speech. And I I saw. Uh, that rightfully a lot of people are also on Twitter complaining about that. Yeah, and... I was actually one of those people as well because I just didn't understand, you know, why why would you not give them a ceremony? Um, yeah, I, I struggled. Might be the backlash that uh, maybe Victoria Azarenka would bring up, uh, you know, some of the inequalities in the tournament. And honestly, I think it's fair because the Madrid Open hasn't been very good about um, equality in general, like the the, the head of the tournament, uh, the, the owner of this tournament is Ian Tyriak, and he's not he's not exactly known for being for showing equality between men and women in the past, and he's made some pretty bad comments and some statements that were very controversial, um, as well as like you know the fact that this tournament has ball girls that are models. I don't think that's a great look in today's climate, uh, particularly, and then also. The scheduling of the matches and the events, a lot of late matches for the women and just in general, I just didn't, I mean, for the men and the women, I just didn't really understand why scheduling those matches at past 9 p.m. local time is a good yeah, There's two of them. I understand if there's one, then, you know, then it, it kind of makes sense. But, and I, I know that in, the, in Spain, there's a pretty lively crowd late into the night and they eat dinner very late. They, they like doing everything pretty late in Spain. But I still, I just don't think it's great for the players because if they finish a match at 1 a.m., 2 a.m., they're not going to bed until 4 or 5. And even if you have the rest of the day off, it's just it's still not really fair in terms of um, the time being equal and then also just recovery the next day. I don't think the players really like it. I mean, Fiontek brought it up in the post-match ceremony as well. And there was a bit of shade at Lopez and Sabalenka also mentioning this, the size of the cake thing became way too overblown. And that was a big topic on on Twitter, but I think it was more just symbolic of 
the inequality that they saw between between the WTA and, and ATP in terms of like just no, no, that's that's absolutely right. Um, I mean, all, all over the world, and I, uh, even in Rome this next week, the same night session starts one one hour before. Yeah. Uh, then in Madrid, and of course, th- this hour can make a lot of difference because yeah. uh, thing is to end to end the the latest match at midnight, and another thing is to do it at one one fifteen a.m. And of course, it makes a lot of difference. That's for sure. Um, fortunately, this year, uh, the problem was a little bit fixed because of uh, the rest day that in most of cases, uh, the players could have um, had the next day. Uh, so fortunately, this this issue hasn't been so big uh as in the past years, when I remember, for example, uh, the Zverev case last year, uh, mm-hmm. it was really shameful because playing uh, the second men's semifinal after the women's final and then the second semifinal. That was a disaster. Yeah, and did at 2 a.m. The and I mean, sandwich uh, between the two semifinals, I'll never. Yeah, and and that's for sure that he he that he played a role because Zverev also the way he was playing last year. I mean, you can you can lose anyway, but uh, of course you you think about that. So yeah. that's for sure. And yeah, also I was thinking about the 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 speech, uh, the fact that fortunately this final involved players that uh, did pretty well. In, in singles too, so they had the chance uh, to have some, to have their moments some uh, somewhere else. And but I'm I'm also thinking that if if today there was a final between, for example, some double specialists like a lot of times happen, which haven't the um, I mean the opportunity to to have this this moment. Uh, other times uh, in other events it, it yeah it's really it's really shameful because you know it's 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 the final uh, of one of the biggest events of the year and you you want to have that moment even if you know of course uh, it's a moment in which uh, it's it's not like you say a lot of of things and yeah. but it's still a nice moment to have if you was there Playing the final, being the protagonist, and you want to to have this moment. I think you deserve that moment. You deserve that limelight in terms of yeah, exactly. That's appreciation to the fans, your team, your opponent. I think that's a big part of 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 tennis, which people like and they honor because it's like celebrating the tournament, celebrating your success, celebrating your team's success, celebrating your opponent's success. So it's, it's yeah, no, exactly. It's also, become, it's become very yeah. generic to kind of say the same things like. You know, yeah, no, to, I'm sure, but but it's still it's still something that they deserve just because everyone else has gotten that chance of the draw. And I mean, yeah, I uh, that's certainly something for the tournament to answer and uh, look forward in the future, especially for next year, and maybe take some of that uh, criticism as a way to improve. But yeah, no, no, I'm sure it's such a good event overall in terms of the um like the money put into it the stadium it's it has a roof i think the night matches are amazing in terms of uh the energy the crowd the like the some stadiums are just built better for the night i think madrid is one of those um like you don't see the crowd or anything suffering as a result of these matches going really deep or something like that but i just yeah there were there were some things that they did this tournament that i was uh, that I think rightfully made some people mad. Um, yeah, no, no, you're right, and also uh, it's it's now the WTA that should, uh, I think that should should say something about what happened today because of of the players also. Um, two of the four players in, involved in that final are um, members of the players' council of the WTA, so I think that. Uh, I mean, I I don't think knowing uh, Azarenka, for example, I I'm sure that uh, uh, she's going to say something 
because she she's not the kind of of player who stays silent about these kind of things. Also because uh, uh, I know when when something like this happen, you you open a bigger issue than the speech in itself, and, and that's why it could have uh, simply avoided by by giving the microphone to the players and let them talk uh, because yeah uh, also um, it's it's a wasted opportunity to have some kind of content and a lot of things for example i i was watching a lot of content pro- produced by kachanov and rublev who won the doubles title and they really have been uh, funny with the camera and with um and talking to for example to tennis tv in itself and you 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 kind of lost this opportunity to uh, to promote in some way the sport and the doubles also uh, because when you have a final with Azarenka, Pegula, Goff, Adatmaya, you really have a chance to promote the doubles event and um, yeah, um, doubles tennis in general and you you haven't uh, used this opportunity. As you could have uh, yeah. could have done, uh, so it's yeah, it's a pity that this happened. Honestly, and uh, I yeah, I I don't think that ten minutes for the player would have made an issue uh, in today's schedule. So I really don't understand why. And I mean, it's it's strange. Mm. Yeah. I really don't know. Yeah, certainly everyone was talking about it. Um, but looking at the men's side, obviously uh, Alcaraz, the Missouri champion again. Um, some players missing in this tournament, Sinara, Berrettini, Djokovic, Nadal, certainly opened up some doors for some new time semifinalists, quarterfinals that we may not have seen in uh, previous years because of you know 32 seeds, 96 player draw, expanded Masters event. So I think this did give some opportunities to players who may not have been given that chance of a vine lead. I mean, for instance, Struff coming out of qualifying as a bucket loser getting to the final never happened before in Masters 1000 history. He played an amazing event, knocking off Sitsapas and Shelton and, you know, Sonego and a bunch of other really, really top players in terms of like good wins on the tour, like Lyovich and World City beat. I mean, in the semis, getting his revenge over Kratzev, um, in, in three sets and then putting up a very decent fight in the final also. Uh, never really went away, won the second set, uh, commentated for that match and it was one of, one of the better big finals that we've had this year. Um, certainly expected Struff to maybe, you know, feel it a bit more physically, go away in straight sets, especially after losing the first set in, you know, where he had a lot of chances and some double faults in the games that he got broken, but overall I thought it was a pretty high quality final given the circumstances and Alcaraz wins the whole thing despite having some wobbles and not always being at his best level particularly against Rusevori and in the final today but I think it just uh, further illustrates the fact that Alcaraz right now is is the guy to beat moving into the French Open and we still have to see um, obviously with Djokovic coming back in Rome it certainly will make things pretty exciting if we get an Alcaraz versus Djokovic final which is what I think we all want Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? 
Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Um, but, but yeah. I mean, of course, um, of course, uh, starting from the latest part of your, of your speech, of course, uh, we have to really to see what Djokovic is going to do in Rome because Rome is one of his favorite events and uh, uh, no doubt his clay court favorite event because he never lost there before the quarterfinals. He won the event six times. So I'm, I'm, I'm very, very interested to, to watch how he's going to, to look there. Even if I, I'm pretty optimistic because, uh, I don't know. He, he really played good tennis in Rome, even in his worst years, like in 2017. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so yeah, it's really been interesting to finally see Djokovic and Alcaraz playing into, into the same event, um, which hasn't been the case in a while. Um, and yeah, talking about Madrid. Um, yeah, the final uh, is really, really been an entertaining final. Um, yeah, uh, because Truth uh, proved that she that he is really, really informed. Uh, he has, yeah, also the kind of tennis uh, to create issues to to literally everyone. Uh, I was also thinking about, I mean. It's not, it's really not the same. Uh, but I was also thinking about all the issues he created to Alcaraz also in Wimbledon, uh, last year. And, uh, after struggling a lot in the end of the last season, uh, it's really, really good to see him back at this level. And also, uh, for all the, mm, I'd say, mm, I mean, less hardcore tennis fans who probably are like, okay, Alcaraz Struff, I don't know if I'm going to watch. And yeah, you miss something because uh, Struff actually played really, really well. And uh, yeah, the final has really been close because uh, we don't have to forget that even in the third set, uh, Struff has been the first one to to have a break point. And uh, so yeah, it's really it's really been a matter of uh, of really few points. Um, like um, like a very big final. Uh, I mean, thinking about the others, I think that no, um, yeah, this uh, is probably. Uh, the closest one after the Monte Carlo. Monte Carlo probably was closer than this one uh, in terms of uh, of the ranking of the players and then the, the score, how it looked like. But uh, yeah, it's really it's really been a close one and uh, some really good points. Struff also using the court really well, doing some really uh, entertaining serve and volley sometimes, and also Alcaraz's abilities to to defend the court. And uh, yeah, these two players, I think that uh, I'd say that match really really well each other, and it's really been uh, uh, fun. And uh, in the end, Alcaraz proved. Uh, why he's there? Uh, he's going to be number one again after Rome, um, and I mean, I I don't have a lot of words about about him because uh, <laughs> what you have to say, uh, yeah. he he's really uh, yeah he is he's funny to watch. Uh, he 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 plays. An amazing tennis, which is even more amazing in in the key moments of the match, which is uh, what you need to do to be considered the top player and to win the big events. He he already has four Masters events, ten titles, and uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. It's more just the eye test, like what you see with your eyes, just matches what his achievements are on the court, just in terms of his the completeness, and he already has that aura. Where you feel like you have to press, you have to hit lines, you have to win the points four or five times against him because he's, he moves so well, he covers the court so well, he's got just such a great idea about when to play what shot. I mean, the absurdity that he has to pull off, uh, like shots that are so bold 
you know, you think of the Russell Valley match, 2-6, 2-3, 15-40 down, save five break points in that game. And just an incredible shot taking. I mean, if one of those points go differently, we could be talking about a random first-time Masters 1000 winner, most likely. Because, yeah, I mean, he had to come up with like a ridiculous half-volley pickup save and then, like, a, a backhand winner down the line, another, like, forehand inside out winner. Like, he just goes for all the shots in the big moments, and it seems to pay off because he knows exactly. And when he goes for those drop shots as well, I mean, you as the opponent, you have to respect his power. Uh, yeah, no, and... Heavy ground strokes, but there's just no way to mentally prepare yourself for those drop shots because it they just come at the right moment, and even if... He doesn't outright win the point with winner. It usually sets up another combination for him, the other lob or the passing shot, and he just seems to always be one step ahead. And uh, it's one thing to like have the vision, but he's able to execute it with his moments. And just, yeah, it's breathtaking to watch it because you feel like you're watching something special and every match feels like must-see TV, regardless of who the opponent is, which you know, definitely brings that something special and generational to the table and that's no yeah it's the the feeling uh, is uh, i mean it's basically the same as when you you was watching playing uh, or you are watching since they are already playing players like uh, uh, like Djokovic and Nadal and when it was Federer uh, and uh, even Andy Murray at times um it's it's that kind of feeling also like when you when you when you're not able to convert uh, these break points and then you can feel that okay now he's he's getting broken the next game and yeah he he gets broken in the next game because um he he really has that ability to uh, to find in in the issues of the match in the difficulties he find there the uh, what he needs to to find to turn the tables around and to to start playing better and better and better and to to suddenly feel his shots and uh, to to grow his confidence even when you when you don't expect this to happen and uh, yeah it's it's a totally different feelings than when you see a lot of other really good players which uh, win a lot of matches because they play really good but they are not they have not the same qualities to to turn a match around and to to make you feel unsafe in every every part of the match even if you up in the score six two four two for you are not safe never uh, you have this kind of feeling and uh, this this of course what makes him uh, super special uh, regardless of all the great uh, things he he does from the technical point of view which are uh, of course super amazing uh, he he really has uh, uh, I yeah I I need time if you want me to to say uh, to talk about some some weakness I really need to watch other matches and to uh, because right now it's it's a bit difficult to 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 underline a clear uh, uh, yeah certainly yeah. not anything that's repeatedly attackable by the best players because. Like, sure, you know, his first serve can get a little bit better in terms of his placement than. Yeah, maybe... this, this one. I, uh-huh. I think that he can, uh, he can improve this one. Uh, but that's only uh, going to get better over, over time. Like, if. Yeah, that's for sure. This one, then that's certainly something. I mean, he's already gotten better at it. Like, we saw the US Open the fourth set against Road. He, the serve really came to fruition. He had like seven aces and. He always has yeah. the miles per hour. It's just a matter of better placement and, like, uh, you know, maybe, like, you know, still sometimes he'll play a sloppy game or something, get broken, then he'll have to re-break and get the game back. And he's such a good returner that he usually makes it happen. But, or if he's playing someone like Sinner, or, I mean, we saw it a little bit with Rusabori, but I'll use Sinner just because they've played six times. And when he's able to take the ball really early and the compact stroke production and just 
rush Carlos and hit it super hard and deep and ride it across his feet. That can be a recipe, but it's very difficult to do that for that long of a period. And you need to have it off of both wings. You need to be taking a lot of chances and risks. And it's, uh, it's that certainly can be a one factor. Like try to rush the forehand, make it get him on the on the back foot, and just really just plain power, like just eighty five mile per hour power off both wings. Yeah, rushing him, but that's that's very tough to execute. So I would say he's in pretty good shape, especially on slower hard courts or clay courts where he has a lot more time to, you know, just set up and do do what he wants because he likes to be in control. But on a maybe on a faster court you could do that, but it's uh, it's not going to win you the match a lot of the times because it, um, yeah, no, of course, uh, I I totally agree, and I'm I'm really sure that. Uh, he's, he's going to, to be able even on, even on grass to, to be able to do a lot of good things. Uh, even because we don't really think that, um, he's going to need a lot of time. We saw it last year, for example, with, uh, uh, also with, uh, with Sinner, for example, which came into grass having won non-matches at all. And yeah. then suddenly he was in the Wimbledon quarterfinals. Yeah. And I'm sure that even, uh, even Alcaraz is going to make some, some big results, probably even this year on grass, because I, I really see no reason because he, 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 he seems also to, to really be, able to to adapt really well and to uh, to to change the movement and to um, to change little things on his tennis to to adapt to the conditions of the court and um, yeah I'm at this point I'm just going to see to to say that I'm I'm I really looking forward to see him in Paris uh yeah, uh, last year probably was there as, I mean, top three favorite. And, um, and then I won't say that he played bad because Zverev really played an unbelievable match, uh, of course. But, uh, of course, this year, uh, the chance is even higher, uh, yeah. because of, of the state of the rivals and, also because uh he he has one year more and uh he's just a little bit more mature a little bit more polished than yeah yeah that's for sure last year he also struggled a lot against Russell Worry and maybe at this time he was still getting used to the new status I think between Madrid and the US Open we saw him the most vulnerable and for most players that's like career best performances but for Arcaraz's point of view that was maybe the period where he was getting the most like used to being talked about as like a favorite for every tournament he went to. So yeah. I think this time around he'll probably be better equipped to handle those expectations. Then then last year he was also more patient, I think, last year. He um like Sarah played an amazing match, but he also hit himself out of certain situations and didn't you Yeah, know, that's for sure. Like I think this year he's already shown that he's a lot more willing to build points and be a lot more patient in his values, use his athleticism and his legs and just not really go for broke or anything. It just feels safe, uh, safer than it did last year. But it will be interesting to see, like, best of five sets going through two weeks is still a very tough thing. And uh, it will be interesting to see if he does play center and Runa and we get those matchups, uh, especially Djokovic. Because, yeah, I mean, at the moment, it's he's looking like the favorite going into long years. And it's... Uh, it's going to be interesting to follow in Rome. Um, also, some of his other contenders, like for example, Sitsipas. I'll be interested to see how he does in in Rome because he made the final last year, and uh, this week he came up against the top of the line stroke, who can cause him some problems. And uh, well, it'll be really interesting to see what the quarterfinal lineup is like. And yeah, that's for sure because Sitsipas is going to be number five in yeah. the throw. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. I'd say that probably if we want to see a, a balanced draw, uh, I probably say that he's he needs to to stay probably in Medvedev's quarter or Root's yeah. quarter, uh, 
uh, avoiding maybe uh, Djokovic and Alcaraz because I yes. if I if I have to think about the top three favorites I I'm for sure still saying uh, Alcaraz Djokovic and Tsitsipas for yeah. um, because we we re- we really know how. Yeah, what they are able to 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 produce on clay. Of course, uh, Tsitsipas not really playing so well so far this year. But yeah, we know that he really had a lot of really good results on clay. And I think that uh, if uh, Alcaraz suddenly uh, falls into a bad day and uh, something happens, uh, Tsitsipas should be there to uh, to try to to use the chance. Even because, yeah, he was in the Australian Open final, but now he, he's starting to need another good result. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because like Indian Wells in Miami. He had some issues with the shoulder and then he sort of, he did well to get to the Barcelona final, but he was really like outplayed for the most of the match against Carlos and now against, uh, yeah, against Struff. I mean, I guess you could say the draw was kind of open for him to get to the final here, but then Struff played like the best times of his life. And then yeah. we would have probably seen another rematch between Alcaraz and Tsitsipas, maybe, but yeah, it would be interesting because I think Rome is a better benchmark in terms of Roland Garros, in terms of conditions and like speed of the court and that sea level and yeah, with the two weeks. So a lot of different things can happen. But uh, yeah, no, and if I have to mention other two other two players to to keep an eye on about the draw, of course, I'm going to to probably mention Rune and Sinner, yeah. uh, which uh, I think that they're uh, they can be. I won't say dark horses because they they now have a quite high seat, but uh, uh, definitely it's going to be important to to watch where they were going to they are going to place. In, in the draw because uh yeah for example we saw we saw in Monte Carlo how uh, the number five eight seeds uh, uh went on in the event and uh, uh yeah um yes of course I I just hope for a for a balanced draw because sometimes we uh, we see a lot of uh yeah, it's like I won't say a good side and a bad side because it's it's in generous. Um, but sometimes, like you have some but. Uh... True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing like the best players back again in the quarters. I think this week it was really fun and exciting to see some new names, underdogs. Some players thrive in these more or less outlier conditions, but now in Rome, I'd love to see like a re-emergence of some of those rivalries again. So I would love to see, for example, Djokovic in there, Sitsipas in there, Medvedev in there, um, Luna in there, Sinner in there, Alcaraz in there, maybe Rude again, because I think he's also due for a good result, especially after Madrid and Monte Carlo not going so well, but he did win in Estoril. So he's, I think, definitely one to keep an eye on because he's got semi-final points to defend as well as final points at Owen Garros. And if he gets his form going a little bit before Paris, then that'll make things maybe more exciting. So him in there, yeah. And I mean, yeah, Rublev as well, I should mention, but Rublev, he already had some great success this play court season in Monte Carlo and winning the doubles here and then finally of Banya Luka. But if yeah, if we get those eight players, um, that would, yeah, be, no. it would be pretty exciting. But they have to win three matches to get there, all of them. Yeah, no, to- totally agree. Even we have also to mention the uh, the the Madrid doubles title. So, of course, uh, Rublev uh, has, has having a really, really big play season so far. Yes. Uh, he also mentioned a lot, uh, even in the past, how much he, he likes to... To play on clay conditions, um, and I think that he's uh, kind of uh, 
power tennis can be can be helped at times by by clay because um uh, yeah even if we sometimes we don't really make the connection between um between the power shots and this kind of tennis and and the clay courts but uh, yeah i don't know i i uh, i'm the one who, who really thinks that uh, mm, powerful tennis and rhythmic shots and uh, can can pay uh, yeah. in these conditions um power is very important that you need to have consistent baseline rhythm and you know just be able to like construct points with it and i think rubel does a pretty good job of that that's why his floor is pretty high i think he's actually quite good on all surfaces same with the uh, same with what i like about center fits and rubel they're trying to they're proving to be pretty good all surface players in terms of like their linear power and their way of winning points on the baseline it seems like it works on everything more or less uh and this and this and something yeah i think uh, i think for the most part they're pretty reliable they become pretty reliable week to week yeah no i yeah i agree i i'm also expecting um a little less i'd say upsets in rome yeah um uh, thinking about how uh, how the tournament is the conditions there um usually it's like place where uh the top players started to to feel better and better yeah. uh yeah also also the djokovic example for example which historically i don't know this year but historically rome has has always been his turning point of uh of the clay season in the preparation for for the roland garros and i think that uh Yeah, for example, I'm expecting a good event from Sinner because he chose uh, uh, to, to to not uh, stress his physics too much uh, given the illness he had. And so he withdrew from Madrid and he trained. And so I'm, I'm expecting a, a, a big rom, a good rom run because, uh, of course, I... Uh, Yeah, even if I don't know how to rate the fact that that, that we have this two-week uh, Madrid event uh, with the physical state of the players. Um, yeah, I also want to see how this is going to look because uh, in the last season, it uh, was a huge factor. Um, for example, we had Alcaraz who withdrew from Rome And, and and probably other player uh, arrived in Rome not in perfect conditions and probably this year is going to be a bit different given the fact that uh, at least the seeded players start the tournament practically during the weekend yeah mm. yeah if you're seeded you don't start until Friday or Saturday so that gives you a few extra days and then you have a rest day in between the matches and I think uh, it's more of a mini slam so I think it'll It's and from that standpoint for the top players, it should be good preparation, especially if they're going deep. If they lose early, then it becomes a little bit different because now they have maybe some more time. So then, like, it's like, do you go and play a challenger like Tommy Paul did this week, or do you go and just rest or just practice or train? So that gets a little difficult, I would think. But in, in terms of less players pulling out because of like the strain from the week before, I think it might be better. No, yeah, and uh, in other news, we also saw Andy Murray winning the title this week yes. in France. It's a title since winning Antwerp in 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, that event was one one seventy five, so it's almost it's almost a two hundred and fifty event, and he also faced some good players because he had to to play against uh, Van Asch and uh, of course Tommy Paul in the final. Mm-hmm. And mm, yeah, also given uh, also how much he was struggling in the first clay events, uh, of course there are some positive signs for for him, and 
also i mean uh i'm always happy to see this i'd say legend of the game doing yeah. doing well and also showing all this passion and uh, yeah, lowering the expectations it's and it's so much to him to win a match at the challenger level even though this guy's won Wimbledon and won the gold and number one he's basically done it yeah, yeah. and it still means so much to him he's celebrating like crazy he's very emotional and yeah I mean this guy has a big heart and he's given this for the lot so from that standpoint it's really good to see him he's going to be 36 soon and I think for him, it's all about Wimbledon. Get himself seated for Wimbledon. Try to make another deep run there. Um, get some matches. And I think he's sort of using the play season as a springboard in terms of matches and reps and get himself fully healthy for the grass. Because I think last year, even though he was playing well in Stuttgart, he injured himself against Bertini and then he pulled out mm. the points. And it wasn't the ideal preparation for Wimbledon. With uh, oh, yeah. the young players not having the kind of experience that he has on grass, I think he's going to make a a good run, let's say, to the second week or quarters, you know, something like that is certainly possible if he has the right, uh, if he's healthy and he has the right amount of matches. Yeah, no, I think that it's also one of his goals to, I think, to be in the second week uh, of that of that Grand Slam. I, I, I still don't think that he he has a lot of expectation for 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 the Roland Garros, but no. yeah, so. I I think that. Of course, given also how much that tournament means to him, to to be back in the Wimbledon second week can can really be uh, can really be yeah good for him. And I also there's also a chance that um, making some some wins uh, uh, he can and some withdrawals too <laughs> probably can he can also be seated at Roland Garros probably if if he's able to reach yeah. the third round in Rome yeah. it's difficult but let's see because now he's 42 and yeah. let's see uh, because that is going to be to be important uh, of course i think that his target is to be seated in Wimbledon and uh, because it's it's going to be really really important for the draw, and I think that in Wimbledon is really possible if he is able to to have, for example, a good run in Stuttgart like last year, or probably the Queen's Club. Um, he can. Uh, I think that his goal is trying to to be seated also in that Wimbledon draw uh, to try to avoid, for example, to play Berrettini in the round one. Uh, like it happened in in Melbourne, and then it's it's all another tournament for you when you when you come through a five hours long first round. Uh, it also would be good for the fans and all girls to see him one more time because yeah, with his age and you know injuries, you just never know if he will be back next year. Or yeah, no, also also because the fans in Paris have like a bad memory of him uh, since his 2020 campaign. I remember him really, really struggling against Pavrinka. Yeah. Uh, so probably even trying to, to give a better, uh, I don't know, farewell to the event <laughs> can also be, yeah. can be a good thing. Yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, a lot of interesting storylines and, Things to look forward to with Rome. I think the draws will be out soon. It's full with the qualifying getting underway. And yeah, Mario, it was great to speak with you today and cover Madrid. It's always good to hear your thoughts since you're so immersed in it, just like I am. And uh, yeah, best of luck in Italy. I'm sure you'll do a great job covering the event there. And it was nice having you on the podcast. And yeah, this will be a, a good episode that our listeners will enjoy. Now, thank you. Thank you really much. I really wanted to be to be here so i'm really happy to uh to have spoken to you uh since it's always it's always a pleasure for me uh i'm sure we will do it again yeah we'll, we'll definitely do it again and check us out on talking tennis you can follow mario mario at uh what's your twitter handle again mario just so our listeners can follow you um yeah they they really can find me just for my for my name and surname okay. um yeah, they they found me there. Uh, if they search me in that way, because yeah. I I have my my full name on on my Twitter. 
great, yeah. And then, yeah, Paul was at Tennis Labels and David Bonnie at Bunchy 2K and Paul Talking Tennis as well. We're, we're both contributors. And yeah, so stay tuned for the next episode of Tennis and Bagels and we'll be back for more. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.